one. Stop a heart that breaks for a dying city. Stop cursing your future. <laughs> Is not true. For all intents and purposes, I am a woman. The government and the political system has ultimate supremacy. Jesus is king of kings, and it's about time our nation return in humble submission to his lordship. You are not protecting women. You are authorizing the destruction of 500,000 little women every year. That's I didn't start it. But, sir, sir, with all due respect, that's the argument of a five-year-old. I didn't start it. Right, when the spirit comes upon people, they go to war. They go to battle, and the enemies of God are driven back, and they're slaughtered. You are listening to Cross Politic with Gabe Wrench, the Water Boy, Pastor Toby Sumter, and the Chocolate Knox. Hello, y'all. Welcome to Cross Politic Live. It's good to be with you guys, uh, live audience. This is also being streamed. You can clap. Yeah, you can clap. There we go. Thank you. Uh, we are also being streamed live all over the interwebs. All over. Get, so, help me out here. Interwebs? Interwebs. Internet. So grab your phone right now. Here you go. go to Facebook. Go to the cross. Po- yep. Oh, I'll no one has phones all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, I know everyone, you have phones. phones up. Grab your phone. Go to the cross politic page. Hit the share button. Like the page. We don't mind one bit at all. All right. So, yeah. so let I'm me, doing that now. Let know. me go around the table real quick and just orient to you guys. This is um, uh, just to our audience real quick. This is a live show that we do every quarter. We're also. A um, uh, we drop live on we go live on pod not drop live on the podcast we we you can download us on the podcast you can we stream live every Sunday night at seven p.m. and then we also are going to be on NRB TV starting April thirteenth so we got a little uh, um, cable TV contract coming up so um, let me go around the table real quick of course most of you guys know Pastor Toby Sumter and hey, then hey. to the left of me I got Senator Bob Nonini so you touch your knees Nonini. And then I got. Uh, it's Steve. okay. He did that for us, so we're not us. we're yeah. not making no fun of him or anything. I'm not mocking Bob. He's he's helping me. He had to do it. Uh, and then of course we got Steve Yates over here on the far left. And then on so the minority speak. side of the table, we have. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, bet it's on. Let's see how this is going. Hey, now. Uh, oh. Um, <laughs> Do I recover from that? No, no. no okay. Keep going. Okay. Just keep going. I'm, I'm in the hole. I got something for you later. That's all right. All right. All right. Uh, we got Janice McGeehan. It's not McGeechan. It's McGeehan. Okay. She's Scottish, right? Well, my husband's family's Scottish. Okay. Husband, family, Scottish. Yeah, there you go. The mic. And, and then we got uh, Chocolate Knox, a.k.a. David Shannon. Um, he's also operation. Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> just doubled your is reparations, that, is that, is just so you two? know that. Two? You just doubled it. All right, and then as, as halftime comes, update me on the score. Does everybody? No one knows. No, but the people that are here don't know what you're talking about. I know. So uh, neither does David or I don't know what Toby. You're yeah, don't it's, look at me. It's painful. All right, so we like to do these live shows. Particularly, we like to do them with politicians um, because we um, – believe in the lordship of jesus christ over every part of this world over every area of our lives and uh, politics has a big impact on our families on our life on our culture on our state and uh so we like to um invite guests brave guests brave men and women <laughs> um, very brave as some of you've seen our last shows uh, to come on to have uh, to a, a real conversation 
we, we prepped them before the show, and, and we said, if you, if you guys get into your talking points, we'll knock you off. Yep. So well, we want to treat this thing like Hungry Hungry Hippos. That's right. You guys that's remember right. Hungry Hungry Hippos? The marbles go in, everybody gets, goes right. after it. Right. All, right? All right. So this is, this is not so much a debate. It's, it's a discussion. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a conversation. conversation. Can we yeah. say that? Yeah. Yeah. But it's a real conversation. And uh, so there might be some interrupting going on up here, but we, want, we really want to get to the issues. We will do uh, Q&A. So we will open up Q&A here in about 50, 55 minutes. Um, so kind of be thinking of questions. Um, we'll have Q&A and it might come around the I'll audience I'll be looking at the on. Facebook live feed. So if you've already liked the page and shared it or you're watching from Facebook too, I'll see your questions pop up here. So I'll oh. just ask them while we're up here as well. You can do that. I, I can. Okay. Uh-oh. Will you mute that? Seriously? <laughs> you can embarrass me like that? So here's what I want right. to know. Go. I want to know, what is a lieutenant governor? I mean, Seriously. What? We, we don't know why we don't you, even, we don't even we know don't what's even going know, on. We don't even know why we invited you here. <laughs> well, what do you mean seriously? It's a constitutional office in Idaho. What, what do they do? Um, well, the Constitution says they'll have two, two uh, things to do. Preside over the Senate when the Senate's in session, be president of the Senate. And the second thing is the Constitution says they'll serve as the governor when the governor's out of state. Now, so so, so he that, sounds like assistant to the governor. Um, <laughs> Someone who's watched The Office. Yeah, yeah there yeah. you go. <laughs> Steve got it. So is that, but is that, um, so is that meaningful? Like, what, what does that mean exactly in terms of, so when he's, if the governor's out of state and you're in charge, I mean, do you get to sit in his chair? <laughs> no, you don't want to sit in his chair. You can sit in your own chair okay. in your own office. Do you and get stuff. to sign bills? Um, you can, but typically not. And I can give you an example of when it was probably the most controversial time was when our current governor, Butch Otter, was a lieutenant governor. And Cecil Andrus, uh, may his soul rest in peace, uh, he was a Democrat governor. And so we had a lieutenant governor that was a Republican and a governor that was a Democrat. But since that time, and that's been 25-plus years ago, we've had Republican lieutenant governors and Republican governors, and they seem to get along pretty well. That's not good. (laughs) (laughs) Was that a a point of strength? (laughs) No, no. The the Republican governor and the Republican lieutenant governor have gotten along pretty well. So, so Janice, why, why run for lieutenant governor? Why are you doing it? Well, the role of the lieutenant governor, you have one foot in legislative branch of government, and what's important there is because you have the ability to help direct policies, policies which will promote and support individual freedom and liberties. The person in that position can work with committee chairs to make sure that good bills brought by the people of Idaho receive their due process. That's a real important thing to do um, in the the legislative side. On the executive branch, what's important there is to work hand-in-hand with the governor and with the agencies to promote efficiency in the agencies and make sure that there's a good level of customer service being being developed for our citizens of Idaho. And thirdly, we should work, in our position, we should work to develop good communication, a good line of communication and cooperation with the legislature and the executive branch to avoid some of the pitfalls, the battles, and the vetoes that we've seen in the past few years. Can you give an example, Janice, of like the kind of thing, like how would this actually work out? Like give us a practical example of... Uh, a particular bill that you think would pr- promotes liberty for Idahoans 
that you, like, how would you use your authority or your influence to guide it through the legislature, guide it all the way to the governor's desk? Like, well, how does that work? It's just working because when you're the president presiding over the Senate, you would work directly with the chairs of all the committees. And there's been some really good bills that have been held up in the committees. One was the CBD, use of CBD oil, which the citizens of Idaho supported year after year after year. Another one is a good bill to protect the liberties of individuals um, in the state of Idaho if, in case the federal government came in and tried to seize the person. It, it um, has to do with the protection of the Civil Bill of Rights under so, the national... So basically, you would work with each chair. If there's a bill you like, you work with them, you negotiate with them. Yes. You come alongside them to try to usher through. Yes, to have better, foster better communication and cooperation between the legislative branch and the executive branch of government. Still sounds like an assistant to the governor. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are, there are a few things that uh, past lieutenant governors have done that are beyond the walls of the Capitol. Uh, the lieutenant governors have traditionally in the recent generation been seen as kind of a key salesperson for Idaho in promoting economic development, trade opportunities, and trying to help spur growth for our economy. Uh, The current governor has asked the current lieutenant governor to chair the Leadership in Nuclear Energy Commission. Uh, There are, depending on who the governor is, there could be different roles and missions. But many of the past lieutenant governors have described the office as very much what a person brings to it. Each of us will have different experience and background uh, that in, in different ways could complement what a governor is doing. But there's an awful lot that can be done beyond the Capitol to help a governor and a legislature succeed more in implementing conservative solutions. Uh, I happen to think that maintaining close ties with the party that nominates you is a positive thing. Uh, and I uh, think that, that that kind of engagement with the grassroots around the party could be a big plus. Uh, there's lots of other things that uh, are not prescribed in the Constitution, but are roles that can be worked out with who the next governor is and of your own initiative. Each of us will have our own voice, our own priorities, our own experience to try to add value. Okay, that, that, that's, that's helpful. So it, with that in mind, then what current governor running, what current candidate, candidate running for governor would you vote for? Start with you, Steve. I'm 110% in on this race and not that race. That uh, is not going to fly. That is not going to fly. I can listen to the, I can listen to all the hows anybody wants, but this is this is an open seat, and the governor's race is let, an open seat. Can, can I, let me, before you go, as lieutenant governor, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> before before, before, you, before you leave, Bob, I'm not going anywhere. I'll be the last were, man out. If you were lieutenant governor, which governor candidate would you want to win? I want the winner to win. Who, and then I who want would to you work want to serve with under, the, though, as lieutenant governor? Look, I mean, we, if anybody that is serious about this race yeah. is preparing to try to add the most value to the other race, and any one of us that is spending time working out a lane in the other race is losing this race. So then you don't think there's a better or worse candidate for governor right now? I do. So who would so who would you want? That I'll would carry that position? into the ballot box, and I'll tell you the day after the election. <laughs> so that's not an answer. He, he doesn't Correct. want to so malign I feel like his base. Already, right now, like I feel like I'm getting the political cookie. Yep, exactly. You know? <laughs> you can, political you, cookie. You know what the cookie is? Tell him. Tell him the cookie. And, and so what the cookie is is when I say, "Hey, what is that?" And you go, "Oh, it's nothing." And look at this good old cookie. It's chocolate chips. Yeah. It, it tastes really good. <laughs> it's nothing you need to pay attention to, baby. And I feel like that. Why would you just tell me, like, Oh, I I feel you. But the fact of the matter is, 
I have built a campaign that has support in every region of the state. I have yes. a campaign that has support from all three gubernatorial candidates. Oh, so you'll get in and trouble if so you actually I, I, there's, put one there's out. There's no good reason for me yeah. to alienate the support that of my own labor have right. built up around the state to, te- to say, I'm going to support one of these other I candidates. I got you. Hold on one second. But, uh, but, 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 but you do think, there's a, but you think like there's a better candidate. Raising his hand. There's, there's one that you wouldn't want, though. I think I've basically made clear I am not answering a question about the, the governor's race. <laughs> All right. I, literally, Bob. You got some answers, Bob, because I'm not giving I got any answers. answers. I got, I got some answers. Dying, I can, I got let me, let me start here. I can tell you why of the three of us at this table and the other two that aren't invited, why I will be the best lieutenant governor. But we aren't asking that question. Well, but then I'll tell you who I'm supporting. Okay, there we next. go. Next, but I'm going to start with telling you why I'll be the best lieutenant governor. All right. I served eight years in the Idaho House, most conservative member of the Idaho House. Record is here. Not by me, by the third party. I've served six years in the Idaho Senate, most conservative senator. Record's here, not by me. We'll, we'll get third party. We're we'll get okay. We'll get okay. So, so yeah. let's say Raul Labrador becomes the next governor of Idaho. I served four years with Raul when he served in the legislature. He doesn't have the best relationship with the Idaho Senate. I have served six years over there. I've got a great relationship over there. I can help Raul Labrador. See, that, let's, me. that actually bothers me. Let's say, you have a great relationship over there. Let's say, <laughs> yeah. That actually does. Let's say, we'll get into that. Let's say Brad Little wins. Okay, Brad Little spent eight years or nine years, eight years, I think, as a, as a senator, nine years as lieutenant governor, got a, not a good relationship with the conservative members of the House. Yeah. I have a great relationship with the conservative members of the House because I said I was the most conservative member. Yeah. So right. I can help Raul on one side. I can help Brad on the other side. And let's say Tommy Alquist were to win the governor's race. Tommy's got no relationship on either side. <laughs> Tommy's going to need me. That's why I will be the your best lieutenant governor. Like now, to your, yeah. to your question. Your cookie tastes like rainbow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to your question, who am I supporting? I'll tell you who yeah. I can. In July of 16, I committed to Brad Little long before I ever got in the lieutenant governor race. I didn't get into the lieutenant governor race until October of 17. The reason why is there were no good conservative candidates in the race. And I didn't see anyone getting in the race but spinning their wheels. (laughs) It wasn't a joke. I'm dead serious. Let's look at the records. Let's look at your record. You don't want to talk about a record. Yeah. Yeah, oh, what? No, I got a record. Okay, okay. I've yeah. always admitted to it. So bring it up, Steve. Hey, there's a, there's a, there's a minority over here. You guys aren't giving a minority chance, right? Okay, I got, the best, bring that up. I, I got the best answer for you all, and that is Cookie. that I am going to not ever forget who my boss is, and that is you, the taxpayer, the voter. None of us ever said they were. Well, well hold on. Then. So, the, I mean, the, the, the question line, is, Jeff. who do I support? Bob's well, warming up. I'm going to support you. I'm going to support you, the taxpayer. So whoever you send to become our next governor, I will, I will, be, the best, I will be the best lieutenant governor. They will be happy. Whoever that person is will be very happy to have me serving as their that lieutenant governor. But that wasn't my question, though. My question is, as a lieutenant governor, who's going to be the best governor candidate for you to serve under? 
be said the best governor. Okay, I'll answer that question honestly. All three men are good, honest, sincere men. They all bring talents. I served with two of them. I served with Raul Labrador in the House for eight years, and he's the one that I identify most with as far as my philosophy of government. Um, I, who I would vote most closely aligned with. And so I just ask that you all send the most conservative candidate who has the, the standing to, um, to back up what he has so to Raul say. So Raul Labrador. Uh, all right. Would be the, so all right. It's like so, an endorsement from right. Bob Nonini. So, so right. this, this is a good example of why I don't trust politicians. Right. It's a simple question. What do you really think? Uh, yeah. Who gave? I gave the answer. You did. Yeah. Sort of. No, not sort but, but of. Part of your answer included that you had a good relationship with a bunch of people who keep doing the wrong thing over and over again. Oh no! Right. You, you have a good relationship with all I have a good relationship. I have a good relationship. They don't all do the wrong thing. One of my good friends we down there, offices right next door, is a good buddy of yours. And I told you out in the lobby, he said to tell you hi. Yes. Dan Foreman. Yes. Dan yes. Foreman supports are you Bob Nonini. Are you going to help Dan Foreman get his uh, criminalization of abortion legislature Passed. through? His I would, yes, if he can get a hearing, you bet I'd support it. Who's got the record on supporting legislation in the legislature? How come I didn't hear your so, support when he was trying to push it through? And the committee I wasn't chairman, on that committee. I can't do anything. Well, well, he, your he, voice would have been huge with Jeff Sidaway. Absolutely. I told those guys where I stand. They know where I stand. You didn't tell on us. Abortion. Well, I haven't been on your show before. No, no. Who did the law? You didn't tell Idaho. When Dan Foreman was under fire for trying to get that legislation up to the table, no one, no, I didn't hear a peep from other senators, except for the Democrats who didn't like that. (laughs) They were loud. Well, I support it's very important to me. No one's stronger on the pro-life issue. I think that one of the things he's getting at is, so we have this whole, like, Trump phenom. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And, and the thing that happens is you have somebody that just, um, you know, sticks their neck out there, does something different, strange, awkward, bizarre, like Trump, um, who broke basically every rule in the book, right? Every, you know, he says, no, I'm not coming. I'm not going to show up to your stupid debate. CNN. Right? And, <laughs> and you know, everybody's just, oh, that, that's it. You know, he's going to ruin everything. But what happens is, so, and he's still doing his thing. And <laughs> tweeting at three o'clock you know, in the morning. Tweet, yeah, tweeting at three <laughs> o'clock in the morning. You know, uh, showdowns with whoever and wherever he wants. Fighting Joe Biden. He doesn't. Yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> Fisticuff. He, he doesn't care. But here's what happens: um, as soon as somebody like that, who and the the thing about him is that the thing that people really love about him is he doesn't care. Right? He doesn't care. He doesn't bow to anybody. And, and it's, you know, for it's, good or for bad. It's good, bad, yeah. every, all over the map. But what happens is five minutes down the road from that, somebody wants to brand that and sell it. Like, right. like Russ Fulcher here in Idaho. He's right? saying, I'm, I'm a Trump supporter. So now. you have. You know, Did, didn't hear I, that. Didn't hear that during the election from Russ. I'm, I'm the real conservative. I'm the, you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the deepest conservative. I'm, I'm the Trump, capital T Trump. It's on the paper. Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, try, and I think the thing is, is that. Trump has clearly proven that he doesn't care. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. You know, again, good, bad, whatever, he doesn't care. He, he just doesn't. And what so I think, so the yeah. question I have, though, is then, um, it's, it's really, and this goes back to Gabe's point, I think so many conservatives, the reason why Trump won is because so many conservatives are tired of the conservative line. 
They're tired of the conservative brand. You say a conservative cer- cookie. A conservative cookie. <laughs> you, you say certain words, certain lines that line up with the platform in a certain way, and then and then think that they're going to get the vote. Well, the last presidential election, I think, was a demonstration of we're done with that. Mm-hmm. We're, we're tired of that. All the people that should have won lost, and the one guy that nobody thought could win won. Right. And so I guess one of the questions we have then for you is, you know, given, you know, obviously lieutenant governor is, is a unique office and so forth, but given those limitations and given what it is actually is, what is it that you can do or you would be willing to do in that office to demonstrate um, that you mean it and that there's a certain amount of the political um, facade, uh, the political game that you're not going to play? Well, there's, there's a good bit of this that should be about what the conservative movement in its best times has been, which is going out and doing the work and actually translating values and principles into policy. But then when it comes to the politics, building coalitions of support. I think it's extremely important that when a governor gets up and gives a state of the state address, that it's not the first time people are getting a sense of where the key priorities are that that governor wants to see done. Uh, and we need to have a lot of work done, I think, around the state making sure people know where the leadership team is thinking, but that the leadership team is going out and listening. Uh, And so I think it's really, really important to be out working around the state, gathering support for key priorities to do something. Uh, When it comes to do something, we have lived under the shadow of Obamacare. Almost any Republican running for office is going to say that was bad. We should get out from under it. We need Except to have for a, our national Republicans who are doing nothing to get out from under it. Well, that's, that's right. where our opportunity right. is in the state. This is, this is why I don't trust you guys. But twenty, but twenty, <laughs> but 20 this this cycle is a big opportunity for our state. Uh, say what anyone wants to say about where Trump is and where the federal government is. We don't have a commander in chief that wakes up to step on state rights every day. We've had that, yeah, and so right. now we have right. a blessing and a curse, and it's a real opportunity. I think for Idahoans to say, well, where do we want to go? And maybe our conversation about health care shouldn't just be about insurance. Uh, I, I've been a small business owner for over a decade. I've, I have the luxury of paying 15 grand in premiums, plus co-pays, plus everything else. Uh, it's a tax to a private corporation for the privilege of paying cash for services. Right. That's pretty well broke. Mm. Right. Uh, and so we've got, we've got to get out there and sell some conservative solutions, build political support for them, so that the next governor, when he gets up for a state of the state, we can so, say, these are things yeah. we want to do, and we know that there's support out there for these things. Here's, talk the, to the, people. here's the thing, and maybe I, I wasn't clear about this, but uh, so, of course... Good leadership listens to constituents and mm-hmm. builds coalitions. I think that goes without saying. It hasn't always at, happened. Though. At the same time, though, I think one of the unique things about the Trump phenom was that he basically said, this is what I stand for. Deal with it. Yeah. And formed a coalition around that. Now, again, I'm not saying all, all across the board that was good, wise, you know, create, you know, valiant, virtuous, or anything of those, that nature. But there is something about that that I think demonstrates where people are at. Mm-hmm. And I think saying we're going to build a coalition, I'm going to talk to everybody and so on, I, I mean, I get that. Right. And on the other hand, part of that just gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, I don't want any more coalitions. Like, the coalition's got us here. And I agree. And, excuse excuse me. me. I was going to speak. Um, government has just gotten to be too big overall, and the power of the money influence has gotten to be too, too much. And that's why Trump spoke a message that I think spoke very loud and clear to a lot of people in America is they're sick and tired of politics as usual in government on the federal level and on the state level. So what we need to do is go back to um, reclaiming our government. We, the people, 
It's we the people that this government belongs to. It's not to the special interests that are running the show, even, even in Boise. Give us an example, though, of, of how, how are you going to do that? And again, I, 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 I point at something, you know, just as crazy as the Trump thing and saying, okay, I can point to all kinds of examples of him standing up and saying, I don't care what anybody says. What's your the, radical the move? The biggest example I can give here in Idaho is the implementation of Obamacare in our state, which was pushed through by the medical industry. It was pushed through because there's big dollars that are involved in, in going to the insurance companies and the hospitals, all of the providers. So it, it, Obamacare is a bad policy. I hope We're going to talk about um, some good things tonight, I hope, morality. One of the worst moral abominations of Obamacare was the requirement to provide abortifacients in every single health insurance policy. If you studied the law the way that my committee did the last year I served, you would understand and know that the way the law was drafted and you could study what was being done, it was written so that um, the Health and Human Services would determine. It said all health insurance policies shall provide preventative health care services and no cost-sharing with those preventative services. And then the law gave the authority to HHS to determine what those preventative services are. So what did HHS do? They went to the medical community and they basically said, they wrote it into their law that said, every preventative health care service for women in in relation to um, pregnancy and contraceptive shall be those that are approved, all of them that are approved by the FDA. That's what we got when Obamacare was implemented into our state. So then what's your bold move to get rid of it? What's your bold, let's just call it a Trump move. What's your Trump move? Lay your Trump card down. The The Trump card is we need more competition in our state. We need more than two or three health insurance providers in Idaho. We need to develop. More insurance? No, we only have two or three insurers in Idaho. So it's Blue bring Cross. More? Well, more insurers will provide more competition and okay. more service. But we also have to be creative in coming up with a a solution, a, po- a way to help cover costs. But don't you want to abolish the system, though? You, well, because more insurers under this system would only make it worse, wouldn't it? Well, you have to have a, pol- like a product. Five? You have to have a product yeah. that does <laughs> not meet all the federal requirements, and that's where. People aren't going to, the insurance industry and the medical field won't like it because then people won't get the, we, the, the subsidy. We need to get insurance companies out of it so there's not an insurance company between the patient and Thank the you. doctor. That's the problem. Too much insurance companies. Yeah. We need to get insurance companies out of the picture. Let me give an example and an analogy that I think most people can relate to. You got car insurance, you get your uh, oil change, you turn that into your insurance, no way. You get your tires changed, you turn that into your insurance company company, no way. You fill up with gas, you turn that into your insurance company, no way. Why with insurance, health insurance, do they have to pay first dollar stuff? We need health savings accounts for people. It's something I've worked on in my time in the legislature. Less insurance, more relationship with a patient and their doctor, get insurance companies out of the picture. They're in the business for one thing, make a big profit. They're not in the business to take care of people. They want to make big profits. 
health savings accounts? Health savings accounts. From, from individuals who own their own money, they get to save their own money to yes. use it for health so, issues, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not you creating right. a self savings account for us. We don't need the us. government to create those accounts. No. We, we, and regulate those accounts. But no, we need health savings accounts. They're out there now. They're legal right now. Right. We need more people to have their own health savings accounts, more personal responsibility. Right. We okay. need people to go on transparency systems and look at transparency. What does it cost to have a need done at uh, Northwest Specialty? Hospital, what's it cost to get a need done at Kootenai Health? What's it cost to get a need done at Gritman Medical Center? What's it cost to get a need done at a private surgical hospital? We need transparency in health care, and that's the problem. People want to be taken care of. We need personal responsibility. People need to do this themselves, not have the government involved, not have insurance companies. So what's your, what's companies. your bold move? What's my your bold, bold, to give my bold move is to get rid of insurance companies except for high deductible when you have cancer, when you've got a serious accident. What does that look like? That looks like very high um, uh, uh, plans where, where they'll pay something if it's over five, six, ten thousand dollars. So you just tell the federal government we're not doing it here in Idaho. We're not doing. We tried to do that in Idaho. In Idaho, and you saw what the federal government, even under Trump, what they just told uh, Little and Otter yeah. when they were back there. What, what, oh, did they you, what did they tell them? They told them you can't do that. And they said you can't do that. It's illegal because it's against federal policy. Yo, I'm so, so fed would you, up would with Trump just, would you and those say, guys not getting it would done. You just obey not, that? That, that order from the federal government? Would you well, federal government's got you? supreme power. You know, I mean, we got to... We well, in right. Idaho, you can't just say yeah. we're not going to do it. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, we can oh, try. Right. We'll see how far that goes. What about your I, I, I sense there's a subject matter coming on that theme, but on, on the health care <laughs> topic generally, uh, I mean, everyone in this audience probably has heard of MediShares. Uh, and it's a, it's a concept that is outside of insurance. Uh, and there are other kinds of pooling of people that should be able to form groups in order to be able to share the burden of mm-hmm. different kinds of costs. Right. Right. Uh, and it is overregulation that stands in the way of these kinds of things. It would be partly a federal fight, but it needs to be a concept pushed in Idaho also. The truth and pricing part is very real. That, yeah. that oh, needs yeah. to happen. There's been a lot of discussion about getting policies across state lines. That's one issue. But really, there's overregulation has stood in the way of people being able to form their own risk pools for, very, for too long. Right. That is right. basically what has made individual and small business policies ridiculously expensive. If, you, if people don't know, the average family of four, if they have one of these policies, they basically are forcing a spouse to have to work. There are no family vacations. Mm-hmm. There is no extra car because it can cost between twenty dollars and $30,000 a year yeah. just for those services. These modeled like MediShares but other kinds of things outside of insurance are real. Uh, they're hard. It would be very difficult to have them broadly adopted immediately, but we definitely need to have that freedom and flexibility. In Somebody Idaho make and fight me a Trump it. card. I need a and Trump card. Real quick. So, so tell me your Trump card. What's, the, what's your Trump card? But that basic. I mean, this is basically moving beyond the system, uh, ba- getting yeah. into something where you can form different kinds of risk pools. Uh, you would want to have insurance for the high risk. Sure. Uh, back to the Bill Whittle video that talks about car insurance and health insurance. Some more Samaritan ministry type setups coming yes. in and doing their thing. The churches it, are one of the natural organizi- organizing components of our communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's only because of overregulation that you've had these risk pools defined by companies. Mm. The, the trump card is the, all these things that have been discussed, doing it, in a new, under a new administration, because these are not new ideas. I personally know of individuals that have tried to bring these good ideas 
to the current administration, and they don't get a door in the front seat. So we need 2018 is a great opportunity for change. The trump card is a new administration, new leadership to welcome these ideas from people from all over the state. The ideas are already out there. A lot of smart people in Idaho. They've tried. They've knocked on the door, and they get turned down. Let's, we need new administration. Thanks, Janice. I, I want to move back to what Bob brought up a couple a minute ago and, and start talking a little bit. It seems like one of the things we are up against, and, and this is a broad conversation, but it has to do with the relationship between the federal government and state government. Um, we are in a, we're seeing a really unprecedented um, uh, um, moment ha- um, unfolding in front of us where uh, sort of, especially on, on the left, um, you have states defying the feds when it comes to issues like immigration and marijuana. Um, California, you know, passed a legislation um, where they are going to um, criminally prosecute employers um, for who, help. Com- who comply with yeah. the federal immigration policies. I mean, I mean, this is like um, it reminds me of the, um, the Fugitive Slave Act prior to the to the Civil War, <laughs> where you know that it was this like m- uh, this adding insult to injury um, uh, with with the states. Um, the um, but my question is is um, are conservatives, it seems to me that liberals are willing to play chicken with the feds. And my question is, is I think Trump is, you know, for all the problem, I mean, he, he's not, he doesn't play with anybody. But, you know, but he, you know he's willing to play chicken. Um, are you guys willing to play chicken with the feds? Every day. You bet we are. Can, well, you, you just said that they're supreme and that you wouldn't fight them on the on sir, rules. On the current, we, on have the the, we have the Tenth Amendment. Tenth Amendment says what the Amen. Fifth, yeah, Amen on the Tenth Amendment. Will you stand States on the will rights. you stand on it? Will you stand on the Tenth I will Amendment? stand on the Tenth Amendment, but you support just said the you Tenth Amendment. I said the federal government the federal government can set laws and those laws are supposed to be above the state laws. That doesn't mean we have to agree with them. That doesn't mean we can't fight them. That doesn't mean we can't do something to stop those but, federal but part, laws. But, but part we, of looking at states' rights is saying that some of the laws that the federal government passed just doesn't apply here. Well, then why do because the, they're surpassing their authority. Then why, does because it, we why, understand. why do insurance companies in Major League Baseball don't have to fall under the antitrust laws? That's a federal law. That is total nonsense. We should be able to go I don't care. I'm, oh, I, care, I, about care about, I don't care what's going on in Idaho, right? I mean, like, like the federal, the major league, and all those laws, like that. Yeah, that you know, maybe there's a problem there somewhere to me, but not to me here in Idaho. I just heard you just say I'm, saying, I'm going to submit to federal law that entrenches on states' rights. I am not going to. What I said was that encroaches is they, the word you're looking for. Entrench, <laughs> because he's trenched in it. <laughs> That's <from> Texas. Texas. <laughs> hey, thank you, Steve. Thank you. He's from Texas. Thank you. So, sorry, sorry, so, sorry, so move this no. over. Let, let's let's push this forward into education. Let's talk about education for a minute now. Um, let's use Good. this as an example yeah. um, where um, you have um, we, we have a education. So you got feds enforcing pro- problematic education standards on us. You've got the um, what was it called? Um, oh, the Common Core. Common Core. Oh my gracious! Right, and and so you've got that problem. Um, but then also, I know uh, several of you, as, as I was reading through um, uh, your literature, um, Bob, was it you? I think it might have been you. Um, yeah, it's Bob. It was Bob. Bob, you know, great line in, in, in uh, I think we, we, we called it from your website, but um, supporting homeschooling, private schooling. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to call you names. Did, did you do that, really? Did you say yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. Homeschool statesman yeah. of the year. I'm looking at some of my literature okay. in 2009. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> 
What are you shaking your head? It's right there, Janice. So, Home so school state my, of the my, year. Quest, my question is... Bob's a fighter. My yeah, question... That's, what, federal that's what we need. We need a fighter, someone that'll stand up that's proven his record down So there. my question no is... No one has that kind of a record. Bob, I think that's what bothers Steve and Janice a little bit. Bob, help me out don't here. Have a record There's only one compete. bothered person help, here. Help me out here. <laughs> help me out here. What, what will you do in order to help my... Uh, property tax bill go down tax credit so that i don't have to pay for schooling that i don't use all right tax (laughs) tax credits tax credits now how how inefficient is that for me to give money to the government for them to give it back to me so i can pay my private school you don't own your money gabe Uh, like like well, you thank you, Bob. Your, no, so, thank you. You took my money and you gave it back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here you go. Here's your wallet, Gabe. <laughs> Let me have some again. <laughs> Obviously. I got to buy gas on the way home. I got to buy some gas but on the way home. But you were just talking about um, personal okay. responsibility earlier, right? Yeah. And that's what Gabe's getting at. Yeah. Is, yeah. So give the responsibility back to the people. Right? Okay. You said that earlier. Yeah, ninety. Let me tell you, 95% of the students in Idaho go to public education. Ninety-five percent. How's that working out for them? Well, I don't think they keep up with homeschoolers. I know it's not working out as far as how their grades go with homeschoolers. Sounds like a waste of money. Pardon? Sounds like a waste of money. Public education? Yeah. Mm. Well, we've got to do something for those people that won't spend time homeschooling their own children. I think Steve said earlier that the church has been successful in a lot of ways working with people who are not financially capable. Oh, for sure. But so what about... If, the, if they have more money, I think they can do a better job than the state, for sure. What a, well, I probably can. They always have. Anyway, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, they always have. Yeah, yeah. So how do we get families, homeschool families, the reason Idaho is so popular in homeschooling, freest state in the country? Zero regulations on homeschooling. Zero regulations on homeschooling. How about private schools? How about people that have to pay tuition? If I homeschool, though, why is it that I have to send money to Boise and then you will give it back to me? Graciously. Do you still have your wallet on you? Graciously. Or not. Do you still have your wallet on you? Well... Yeah, or not send it back. Right, right, right. right, right. right. Which is more what happens. Oh, we gave a $200 million tax cut this year. In Idaho, after two hundred million, thanks to President Trump, raise taxes, and then they turn around and give a tax cut before Brad Little tries to run for governor, tries to get elected for governor. He raised taxes during his his time, and then as he runs for governor, he lowers taxes, and it looks like it looks good. Well, well I don't you. know about Brad Little raising taxes and stuff. I know I haven't supported any tax increases, and I know I supported. I was a co-sponsor on the most recent two hundred million dollar tax. Yeah. Yep. decrease yep. we just gave this legislative session that ended. Idaho's fastest growing state in the country. One of the fastest growing personal incomes in the country. Uh, we can't find the right employees in Idaho because businesses want so many employees. It is a great state. I think Idaho's on the right track. And then people say, well, we need to get on a different track. It's a pretty darn good track. We need to keep cutting taxes in Idaho, giving more personal responsibility, support the tax credits. We've tried to do vouchers in Idaho. You understand what the Blaine Amendment is? You know what the Blaine Amendment is? Tell us. The Blaine Amendment is in the Idaho Constitution. It was put in there in the 1930s against the Mormons and the Catholics because how they wanted to educate their children. So you cannot do vouchers in Idaho without a constitutional change and take the Blaine Amendment out of the Constitution. 35, 36 states in the country have the Blaine Amendment or some form of the Blaine Amendment. Idaho has one of the toughest Blaine Amendments in the whole country. Mm -hmm. We can do tax credits, though. 
and tax credit says to those people that want to send their children to private school and pay tuition because they also pay property taxes that will go to local but, education. But here's what tax credits in the end will do is put control over those institutions. Whenever the government takes our money and then wants to give it back to us, if it doesn't initially come with strings attached, it will eventually come with strings attached. No, it won't. Not, That's exactly no. what's happened. What's well, not going to happen done with this ti- this you, the, you, the federal government's done, done this with Title We're not talking about right the federal now. government. We're talking about the state of Idaho. I know, Idaho. but I'm just, giving you, I'm just giving you an example of how the, the government works. I understand and, and, how the federal government works. And the state of Idaho works. is no different in that. Look, look, this is circular, and this is the reason why I'm jumping back into this process, because the decisions in Idaho, that's why I'm really, I get so tired of listening to this kind of talk, because in the last six years, decisions that have been made in Boise have continued to increase Idaho's reliance on the federal government by taking the money into our school system, into our health care, um, taking away the ability of us to manage our lands. 35% of our budget in Idaho now is made up of debt-financed federal dollars that my kids and your kids and our grandkids are going to have to pay off. Yeah. So let's not talk the talk about state sovereignty and what are we going to do to push back against the federal government. Let's do it. Let's oh. do it. Talk to talk. Give her the organ. Give her the organ. Where's the organ? Where's the organ? But ask so, Janice so, so, where so, she so, was on House Bill 222 when she voted against the NRA and the Second Amendment. I'll talk to you about that if, yeah. if, if that's what Let's, you want to talk about. Can we go back to the education thing? That's where I want to stay. I want to stay education On education, including the Blaine Amendment and other things, I mean, it is time when you have a threshold election and going beyond that to have a conversation with the state about where do we want to go in the future with these funding formulas and approaches to things. Most conservatives who've been a part of the, the, the movement around the country and in Idaho believe that resources should follow the child, not go to the institution. And our Constitution is not written that way right now. And you can say, well, this is what the Constitution says. But the Constitution's been amended for a lot of different things. This would seem to be a righteous purpose to take up that conversation. But it's not an on-off switch. It would need to be a conversation that's pushed, and we would need to win the votes to cross that high hurdle. Would you push that conversation? I would. I would. My son is homeschooled. My wife is a teacher at a charter school. I spent part of my elementary school in a Mennonite one room classroom K to twelve school. Yeah. Uh, I I took part of most of the education buffet, and this is what you get. I'm sorry. But, uh, <laughs> but we forgive you, Steve. But we've got we've got to push beyond. This is this is the way it has been. So this is the way it should be. And I just think that a vast majority of conservatives around Idaho believe the resources need to follow the child. And if that child is being educated to the best ability in a private school, in a charter school, or even a public school, then yeah. the resources need to go where that child is. I All right. I want to get back to Janice. Yeah. Janice, you had a great um, little little tirade there for a second. It was it was lovely. Um, but. Um, but seriously, um, you said we need to not talk about pushing back against the feds. We need to actually do it. And what do you mean by that? Well, Doing it, what? It means we quit accepting the the carrot gets dangled cookie. in front of the cookie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dangled in front of our eyes, and it's so tempting to take that easy money and put it into our classroom, implement Obamacare. Uh, I've seen it in, in the Department of Labor. I've seen it in our roads, the way we build our roads. I've seen it across state government. It's too easy to take that money 
with a, but that money comes with the strings attached. So, and there was a. Bill, I was talking about that. There was a bill in the legislature this year that would have expanded another program under under the Medicaid, and thankfully that that was held back. But that's what I mean. We need to stop doing that, and then we need to implement policies that are more favorable to our our small companies and our big companies. We need to um, reduce taxes on them. So, are you talking about like stop taking federal funding? Is that one of the things specifically? The first thing that we have to do is quit expanding the programs and quit taking more because we've built it so much into our budget that we can't just get rid of it all tomorrow. That would be hurtful to a lot of people. So we we quit, to, we quit but... expanding the program, and then we work on building up our economy, taking Idaho per capita income from 49th lowest in the nation, build that up. We're low um, productivity, low outcome, low wealth in our state. Build that up. Provide our kids with better skills to equip them when they're done with high school and just build up a Idaho's great, but we have a lot of challenges. You said that'd be hurtful to a lot of people, but I don't think a lot of people would be mad at getting more money in their pocket. Well, but if, <laughs> if, if you've ever served in the legislature as I did during two of the toughest recessions that we've had in Idaho and where we had to just in my my division of Medicaid we had to find 20 million dollars to cut that's not easy to do it's painful to a lot of people but what we did is we worked hand in hand across the aisle with the Senate leadership, House leadership, the governor's office, the agency, the advocates and we did across the board cuts that didn't hurt the one individual program that you know in a way that it could be absorbed across the board. So, but, but education isn't that a little bit of an easier setup to fix? Well, I'm not sure what you mean by that. So, like, if, uh, fix so for, for me, fix the education system. So, if you had the trump card right now to fix the education system, and you can do it, what, just forget about how it how it's worked out for a second. What was the first thing you would do to say, okay, this is how we fix We'd education? We drop the federal standard and. People so say no to the federal it. government. No more, no more money from the federal government. Yeah, because I think thirty percent you could save right off the top in in the in, in the administration in the yeah. schools. Yeah, sure. sure. So yeah, we have a lot of opportunity. Drop the federal standard. It, some people don't like to call it Common Core anymore, but that's basically what it is. And we have to go back to not every child thinks the same way. Some kids learn on the left brain, and some learn on the right brain. And we need to have local control. We need to give our parents more choice, trust our teachers, support our local school districts, and let them find a way to the best educate their, their kids. So I'm, I'm having a hard time with the education thing because I think, it, you know, David, to get to Knox's point on this, it seems like that's an area where we could easily return the money to the communities and they still be able to have the access and ability to educate their own children. Yeah. But the thing is, is you guys want to get voted in and you know the unions out there have a problem with that. And so you won't do that. And that's an easy, there's an easy solution to actually, um, uh, it's, it's about $10,000 a, a head to send a kid to Moscow High here, here in town. It's about five to $6,000 a head to send a kid to Logos. Mm-hmm. So half the price um, and, and percentage-wise, the educational outcomes at Logos are higher. And so why don't we just find, uh, why don't we make the easy, easy solution is just give the money back to the local communities and let them educate their kids based off their own choice. I Bob. Told- I would be fine with that. In fact, again, I'm going to go back to what I've been able to do in my 14 years. 
you know, for a Republican to serve on education in the legislature is a tough position. And uh, in this race, well, I'm that. in this race for lieutenant governor, in fact, someone, one of you two just mentioned the teachers union. Teachers union does not like Bob Nonini. They've never liked Bob <laughs> Nonini because I've taken the teachers union on. But my point's going to be in my time in the Idaho legislature. Now, Steve Yates has never served. Steve Yates, you lived, what, here five years, six years or so, but never Just served. Just work on the numbers. Yeah, but never <laughs> served in the Idaho legislature. So it's easy to say the things you would like to try to do if you did get elected. Yeah. But Janice it's as if we served. don't have a different president. Marv has served. Uh, uh, Kelly Packard has served. Never, no one wanted to be on education. I've taken that fight. Why do you think I have all these awards is because <laughs> I want – to fight the union. I want to fight the public system. I want more charter schools. I want more private schools. How I long want have you been fighting? 14 years? Pardon? How long have you been fighting? You said 14 years? 14 years. years. Hmm. And, and we're still here. I'm just looking around. Our, our property taxes are still well, going up. You've know, like you got to been... say there's 105 of them down there. Okay. There's 104 other legislators. So it would be easy to stand out. So the, I've you never heard of you and literally until this race. <laughs> well, then you haven't looked at the Idaho legislature much. No, I pay attention. Well, then I'm surprised. Okay. Good. I'm surprised. Good. Good. I'm surprised. Surprise me some more. No one's done the pro-life <laughs> stuff that I've done. No one's done the tax yeah. credits for homeschooling that I've done. No one's done the charter. I, I don't want tax. Stuff. I don't want to give the money to the government to give back to me. That just don't. That just. No, that you is, don't give it to the that government. That just economically don't make sense. You give it to a scholarship granting organization has nothing to do with the government. And then they give the money back to me. No, they give it to the student. And the parent to go to the school okay. they want to go to. You don't give any yeah. money to the government. Can I have your well, wallet real quick? I want yeah, to give that guy. Thanks for giving our money away, Bob. <laughs> yeah. That's what that's what that's what you're doing, though. It's basically giving me your wallet so I can give somebody else who you. You're giving the money under under the proposed under duress is what I'm doing. <laughs> yes, you can have my am wallet. I, am I really Take giving it. you? Am I really giving you the money? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does, that doesn't work. I think it works better if somebody's willing willing to freely give. If I see somebody that needs help educating their child, I want to help them. See and the, if I have the yeah, money to, then I right. will. But if you keep taking my money. And you look, can do that through scholarship granting organizations. But that you're requiring him to donate you're to. you're forcing me to do. Um, no, but we're not forcing you. It's not a government-run program. It's not at all forcing you. How do they get you. my money? The scholarship granting organization is a private-run organization. Bob gave him the money. Right, exactly. Don't get me the, going, Janice, the, about your history. The property taxes are still in place. That's what he's pointing out, though. Yeah. Like, we're still getting – the, the money's still getting taken via property taxes. Exactly. Well, property taxes aren't done at a state level. <laughs> correct. Property taxes are all done local. But the state takes the money. Not the property taxes. No way. State does not take property taxes. At That's all. A, at all. The state doesn't take 100% of our property taxes. They don't take 1% of your property taxes. Okay, somebody it fix goes that. into education. Yeah, uh, th- locally. It, correct. Locally. It goes into local education. Right. So yeah. it gets dis- distributed locally. So That's this, a local thing. Talk to your county commissioners. Talk to your local school they'll board. They'll be up here next. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. They should That's be. Coming. That's coming. I saw, they they I saw a county commissioner out there. We're coming. We're coming. Steve, I didn't understand that because the state doesn't take any property taxes. It all goes local. Yeah, property taxpayers don't understand local. the system. I, I'm yeah, sure every yeah. single Surprise. one of them appreciate that. I just said you, Steve. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just you. It's so easy to fly in 1040s, you know. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you should have been here put, for a few years. You have no sense of no one disagreeing with you. Let's turn this um, to a couple of the, the high-profile um, moral issues that we're facing um, before we open this up for Q&A. Um, and and the, I think some of the big ones that we, we, we are facing right now, we have abortion, which has been a, a big issue. It's, um, Janice brought it up earlier. Uh, we also have the homosexual marriage issue, uh, Obergefell, 
Um, and we have uh, what is, you know, so-called transgender rights issues. Um, these are some of the three big things where um, many of us with uh, Christian values um, uh, find ourselves, um, uh, you know, pinned, uh, find ourselves uh, being chased. And many yeah, of... Find ourselves watching politicians like in Idaho just give in. And, and, and many of our conservative, so-called conservative leaders... Um, they don't feel to us, we don't feel like we're being protected. We don't feel like we're being um, advocated for. Um, and, and, you know, the left says, let's have a conversation. And by that, they mean we're going to hold you in a headlock and, and get you to do force it. Force you to do it. Force you to do it. Uh, or we'll fine you or we'll send you to jail. Um, and it, it seems to us that we need conservatives that are willing to stand up and fight on these issues in particular, where it's the clearest. We're talking about life. We're talking about um, being made in the image of God, uh, male and female, um, not six genders, not ten genders, two. Um, and that's because God made, them, made us that way, created us that way. And even though th- they want to talk to us like we're insane or crazy or have three heads to say this kind of thing, it's like gravity. It's like squares have four sides. It's, you know, th- it's that kind of common sense that we're up against. What will, will you do um, with the influence, the authority that you're given as lieutenant governor um, to protect the state of Idaho on these particular issues? Well, I voted for the marriage amendment, and I fought for pro-life while I served in the legislature for 10 years. Um, so, and, and then I know that there's a mess, um, um, gosh, I'm sorry, the, the, add the words, there's a, there's a group of people that want to insert, add the words to our, uh, human rights commission. Um, but I, I don't see there's a, a necessity for that because as a business owner, I don't discriminate and I see that as a way to, open the door for if somebody came in and tried to apply for a job with me and they claimed that I didn't want to hire them because of this or that, which is not how I run my business, they could have a lawsuit against me. So I'm, I'm very um, cautious about adding those words to our statute. This is like an anti-discrimination statute? Yeah, kind of so thing? you can't, it says you can't discriminate based on this, this, and this right. in the Human Rights Commission. Um, Janice, if... If uh, our friend uh, Dan Foreman was bringing his legislation before the Senate again um, to, uh, I don't remember the name of the uh, committee that he couldn't even he couldn't even get a, a number on his bill, which would strip away um, the um, the amendment to our Constitution that was added after Roe versus Wade, which says so in our Idaho Constitution code it says that abortion is actually murder. Um, but after Roe versus Wade, a non-criminalization um, uh, f- uh, phrase or clause was added that said basically we won't prosecute this. Dan Foreman's legislation was uh, pr- uh, proposing to remove that non-criminalization um, out of the Idaho code and making abortion murder in Idaho again. Mm-hmm. Um, he couldn't even get a number on his bill. Would you be willing to um, be cheerleading for a bill like that? Well, I, be- I believe that, I believe in the process, the democratic process, and any bill that is brought by a legislator should be given the due process. So in the position of, <laughs> yes, 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 in the position but, of lieutenant but, governor. But here's, yes, help you. here's the thing. Yes. We, we all understand, would, we all yes, understand due process. We all understand that you can't just snap your fingers and make abortion illegal tomorrow. Right. But you can stand on a chair and cheer. 
You can you can get in, you have mics in front of your face regularly, and you can say, um, you know, there are how, how many is it like twelve hundred or um, how, how many babies are murdered in about, I about twelve about twelve hundred babies are murdered in Idaho every year 12, 14, by abortion. Yeah. Um, you know, are you willing to stand up for those 1,200 babies? And, and, I'm, and I know you, you say, I voted for pro-life legislation. Great. But are you willing to stand up in the chair and say, um, 1,200 is too many? Yes, absolutely. My record shows. Yeah. And, 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 how, come, and, how come when Dan Foreman's bill um, got rejected that I didn't hear anything from you in the news or the media or on Twitter regarding Dan I mean, Foreman's everybody bill? hated Dan. Well, I was busy campaigning for this position and running for businesses, so I was having a hard time trying to keep up on every single piece of legislation. That was a pretty big one. I, know, I, think, I think if there was a shooter gunning down kids in our streets, I would imagine you'd have something to say about it. We have 1,200... Idaho mm. children being gunned down in our state every year. I think it's a pretty big deal. Well, I'm, it's unfortunate that he didn't have the support in, from some of his colleagues in the legislature yeah. to get a hearing on his bill. What are you guys going to do, Steve? Well, I, I think we all agree that abortion is murder. Uh, and it's very, Thank very you. important Thank you. that we Did you guys hear that? He said abortion win. is murder. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go. Yeah. Amen. Way, way to it go. is. Uh, it takes a lot of guts to say that. Well, it's, it's a fact. You're, you're, you're taking a life that was not freely given. Uh, mm. And it's a fundamental disrespect for the power of creation. Mm. I just don't think there's any way around it. Uh, I, I would say that in terms of criminalizing uh, abortion, I have no problem with that other than criminalizing things doesn't stop the behavior. And our first objective Absolutely. needs to be to save that child. And so anyone who is strongly pro-life, and I'm not alone in this, everyone that's a part of the movement needs to be doing everything possible to get those people out of those circumstances or engage them where they are. Absolutely. Uh, there right. is a father problem in our country. There is a broken family problem in our country. Yeah. There is a failure to come to faith in our country. Mm-hmm. Idaho should be a great fertile ground for a revival of some of these things. But going and getting to those people, one abortion in Idaho is too many. Right. It would, would be would great you, if we could just say, never in Idaho. So, right. so but how come you, I didn't hear you, and when Dan Foreman put this legislation, I didn't hear your voice. I didn't hear you tweet on it. I didn't hear anything from you. How come? The simple reason for me at the time was I was the chairman of the Republican Party, and I was building the Republican Party, and as a matter of principle— What a better time to say that when you're chairman. I I agree in the perfect circumstances. You got promoted to be the chairman of the Republican Party, and you didn't say anything? No, I did did say things about being— that abortion being murder and being right. against but supporting the taking Dan, of human like, life. Like that guy got jumped on. He did. Even national liberal media came in and interviewed him. He did. Uh, and, and so we let our little boy just go out all by himself. Uh, look, I, well, I'm just explaining the reasons why I took a certain position on the legislature in general while I was chairman. I was elected chairman at a time when the party was completely broken and there were a lot of people in the party that wanted to play in the legislature, but the party needed to do some basic things well, Let me first. guess. It was all Bob's fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I wasn't a part of the process. Only Bob right? would have and said so, it. Bob, yeah, Bob, Bob, Bob had been there for 14 years. <laughs> so we wanted to make sure that we were rebuilding some of the basic functions of the party. But and you rebuild it with life. You don't not, rebuild it with, you know, 
conversation. I, absolutely. And in no the party reformation happened at a conversation. You know, there's no no conversation started a reformation. It's Correct. nailing things on Wittenberg doors that so, start things. So the vehicle in the party is our county central committees, legislative committees, and our state central committee. And we had conversations in the committees to try to use what we had to support any effort to improve pro-life legislation. But I had to represent the elected will of that body. And if I spoke as chairman and there was no way for me to say, here's the part of our platform and here's the vote of my body, so, so this I couldn't gets us speak to for 1858. that body. You're chairman of the Republican Party, 1858. No. And the Republican Party is... No, if, if, I, if I believe... I'm, I'm just looking at you. No, Go ahead. If, if I, yeah, yeah. I, I can't understand why you're looking at me. My son gives right. me the same and, look every once in a while. And you're sitting here trying to build a coalition. He gives me that look, too. trying to build a coalition to free the slaves. If I believed that that one bill was going to be the threshold in that, I would have resigned my position as chairman and gone out and fought for that bill. I don't believe that it was that threshold moment at the time. I do believe in the principle of abortion being murder and we need to end all abortion so, but i want to go back to what you were talking and, about and all taxpayer funding for that well, period if you make it illegal and make it murder wouldn't that also suppress it because you know that's what you would think but well that's what <laughs> look, that's at chicago, look at chicago and look at dc i mean that's Hand, handguns are illegal in some parts of the united states of america there's yeah. massive penalties right and there's still a great deal of murder because of the broken families but because see, of the other over families. the last 40 50 years i mean you think about what's been done to the states roe versus wade overturned many many mm-hmm. states laws Previously, yep. previous to which had it been uh, abortion was considered murder in mm-hmm. most of the 50 states. Um, the same thing just happened with Obergefell, mm-hmm. where marriage was defined as one woman, one man in our state and many's. And, and many conservatives other, keep wanting to have a conversation. And Obergefell yeah. overturned that. But the thing is, is that the left seems to understand that even though you're right, legislation doesn't stop and doesn't change everything overnight. It has a discipling effect. It can. And, and it's it, one of the it's, things. It's, 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 yeah, absolutely. It, it, they keep. You know, the culture keeps following the legislation. The I'd states, like the culture to lead it. Well, I, yeah. right. But that's so we're asking, though, are you willing? I mean, how are you? How are you <laughs> yeah. willing to take a stand and lead in this in this particular fight? You go you go out and you engage the communities around the state. You show where Idahoans really are on these issues. We may have to test things with ballot initiatives. We may need to ha- consider are there amendments to constitutions that need to be considered. But President Trump has started the process of some of these barriers beginning to erode. The balance of the Supreme Court has begun to change. Some of the other appointments have begun to change. It may be a time for states to start challenging some of these things the way the liberals did to build the wall that now needs to be taken back down the other way. All right, Bob, you've been waiting patiently. Uh, you, Get your questions together. Yeah, here we go. Bob, what are you going to do to protect us from this and lead us out of this culture of death? I am going to continue the fight that I have fought in the legislature uh, when I ran For 14 bill, years. Idaho became the first state in the country. You know, Gabe, I'd love to have a, a hundred... <laughs> A hundred guys like me, we'd get your stuff done. You know, me and a hundred and four guys like me, we'd get it done. But I'm one of a hundred and four. But I've never heard your voice. When Dan Foreman was down there, I did not hear your voice. I didn't hear you say one thing in support of Dan Foreman. All I can say is Dan Foreman support me. I talked to him this morning on the phone, and you know, give him. Don't look yeah, so shocked. Yeah, but you left him to Janice. hang high and dry he out in front of national well, liberal. He's a nice okay. guy, so, though. <laughs> okay, so I ran the first. Idaho became the first state in the country 
to make the coercion of a woman into having an abortion a felony. Took me two years to get that legislation done. 2008, I worked on it in 2007, I got it done in 2008. We became the first state in the country. Georgia tried to do the same thing. It happened a year after us. So that was a starting point for that. Janice didn't even vote on the bill. Said you're pro-life. <gasps> Bob, that Janice. is not the truth. I've got the record. Let's look I've at the record. I've got the record here, too. <laughs> absent and excused. Janice, absent and excused. So, Where's your pair slip, Janice? So, wait, wait, did you say it's a felony? Yeah. To coerce a woman. I've got the record right here. I voted for that bill in the committee. You're not even on the that committee. That is not the truth. State affairs. Right here. You're Health not... and welfare. Right here. Uh-uh. That's your bill. It didn't. Coercion. Right there. The state affairs. McGeehan. It says McGeehan. I. Well, we'll disagree with that. That, that is committee. not didn't, the truth. Didn't vote on the floor. Didn't do a pair slip, Janice. Come on, Bob. Come on, Bob. You know how it is sometimes. I don't know where I was no. then. Do we need to Maybe I was presenting a bill Every time Senate. I'm gone, I do but pair he, slips. When things are on the no third excuses, reading calendar, Janice, pro-life. it's not an excuse. Pro-life, Janice. Quit, what else, Bob? What pro-life? Okay. about so my I'll record. So I'll continue to work on quit this Quit lying about my record. It's one of the hardest things things, the worst things we do in this country. Abortion is murder. Absolute Amen. murder. Amen. And I will continue to fight on that as Lieutenant Governor and from that position you'll have a bigger platform to promote the other legislators to support your legislation. Would you criminalize abortion? Yes. Thank you. you, would, you be, I would. would you be willing to play well, chicken with the feds on that? Yes, I would. the legislation. That's, then. Yes, I would. I like easy answers like that. Yes and no. I, that yes. makes it easy that helps. for me. All right. Hey, you I'm know what people say, said? Excuse say, me, Janice. Okay. I'm talking now. <laughs> just like you cut me off. Okay. Let okay. me Let's not finish, forget she's Janice. a lady, too, now. Come you on, know, Bob. This is the part that reminds me. Wow. Because 30 years ago, how's D.C. there going, buddy? <laughs> Bob's on fire now. There's a little ADHD stuff. going on. Who's got a microphone for yeah. some questions? Ooh. Who's got a microphone out there? Anybody got any questions out okay, there? Okay, Coop, go. Coop's got the microphone. Hey, everybody say hi to Cooper. Hey. hey. If you guys have any questions, just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Do we have there. any questions on Facebook? Get help, Bob. Oh, let me no. pull check on Facebook. I'll check that Facebook. Pull that up. If, we're on, if you're on Facebook Live and you're watching and you have a question, there's a question okay. in the back there. Is this on? Okay. You a man or not? Let's see. Hi, my name is Isaiah Taylor. Um, there's been a lot of bouncing around tonight from all three of you about the whole federal, standing up to federal government, states' rights issue. Um, there's just been a lot of bouncing, and it's not totally clear. So I'm wondering if I could get um, pretty quick from, from each one of you um, what you think the relationship of federal law is to state law. Um, I know that I looked into each of your positions, and I've seen several cases where each of you differ with federal law. Um, I'm wondering what you think, how far you think the state can and should go in its own legislature to upend um, the effect of federal law in, in this state. Well, I believe in what our found, the way our founding fathers formed our perfect form of government, and that is that we, the rights that matter are our unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the only purpose of government, whether it's state or federal, is to protect those liberties. That's what matters. And when those laws start to infringe on our rights, our, our, our property rights, all the rights that are enshrined in the Bill of Rights, 
that's when we need to rise up as people and redress our government and fight back. Well, we're definitely at a point where we're very out of balance. Uh, and uh, there couldn't have been a worse time than coming out of the Obama administration uh, to see federal encroachment over states in too many areas of our lives. And so no matter what anyone's answer is, the, we should be pushing more for state solutions and states' rights. Now, anybody that is sworn into office is going to swear an oath to uphold the U.S. Constitution and the Idaho Constitution. Uh, and I think that we should be entrepreneurial, assertive, uh, push our own solutions. I think that we'll have largely, but not always, a permissive environment with the Trump administration and uh, where things are going generally in Washington. Uh, really, we've got some basic functions that have been put in the federal government that don't belong there. Uh, Ed Meese was on with Mark Levin recently and just reminds me that ever since the 1980s, we've been arguing about why we have a federal department of education. There is no good conservative constitutional argument for having a Department of Education. Uh, and we have, to, we have to find ways to be able to push. And we gotta, we'll, get, we'll get blowback. There will be resistance. But we've got to find ways for states to behave as their sovereigns in a limited federal republic. Bob. We push until we push and push and keep pushing. When the feds come in and say we can't push anymore, we push some more. You gotta, I don't know what that meant. <laughs> I, I think I did. He wants to fight. Okay. Okay. There we go. Good. We go. Good. Good. <laughs> Another other question? question. I have a question from uh, face from Facebook. Someone said. Um, would you be willing to have the, uh, the a woman who has an abortion, would you consider her a murderer and would you charge her with the account of murder? If that's what the law says, that's what happens. Uh, would you I, want a law that says that? No, I, I mean, okay, assuming that the law itself has worked out like any other case law right. when it comes to murder, right. was, that, was that law that you would say absolutely we should have something like I that? I believe that murder is murder. Yeah. Uh, and uh, now I do believe that if our goal is to save the maximum number of lives, going aggressively prosecuting some of these people may not be the best way to be able to get those lives into this world into hands that are ready to take care of them. And so I don't I don't know that I would be for aggressive prosecution. But if someone wants to say, is this murder and should it be listed as that under the law? I don't have a problem with that. You gave me like a half cookie. Well, <laughs> life sometimes takes the yeah. other half. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ser- seriously, if, you're, if, we're, going, if we're, we're dealing with people that have made bad choices and are in bad circumstances, uh, my, my, I have a child that was born in terrible circumstances. Yeah. And the culture of today would have said terminate the pregnancy. I was grateful that there were people that intervened. Yeah. And made it so that she chose to give birth and put that child into a place where she could be loved. Sure, sure. Uh, and now this particular person happened to already have been prosecuted of other things. Right. Uh, but I, I am not convinced that aggressive prosecution would be the way to get to and save the maximum number of those lives. So we, we wouldn't treat it like every other form of murder? Well, there are plenty of kinds of murder that don't sure. face the same kinds of sentencing, the same kinds of... Depending on how yeah. the situation is, Look, we judge it according I, to... What, I don't what want there to be a single one. 
right. uh, end. Uh, but I, I don't want to give what I worry could be a false sense of hope, that if we just criminalize oh. it and aggressively prosecute it, that we will succeed in the culture war of actually yeah. trying to reach and save those lives. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I don't think that's so, not what we're after. So what, what would it take, um, I'll, I'll just throw this out to everyone, um, for you to stand up against a governor who is just doing status quo? You know, um, uh, right. in regards to abortion or with regards to any issues we talked tonight, um, you know, education, what would it take for you to actually stand up against the governor, speak out, speak out against that governor? As a lieutenant governor. Yeah, as a lieutenant governor. Yeah, well, there's, there's fundamental policies that are just a part of who we are and what we believe in. Uh, and, uh, you know, there are ways you would pick and choose how to express your opinion. Hopefully, uh, if you are good at what you do, that the powers of persuasion that are inherent in all of us will persuade the governor the, of the enlightened position to do the right thing. Uh, but if there's, if there's something that is profoundly at odds with faith, experience, my, my family, uh, I wouldn't hesitate for a moment to speak my, speak my mind. Uh, but at the same time, we are running for a separate constitutional office. Yeah. Uh, that's one of sure. the reasons I gave the answer I did at the beginning of the program, mm. is, to, is to run the on the things that we believe in. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. the, it's the other half of that cookie. <laughs> oh, I hate the cookie. Yeah. I've done that in my legislative career. In 10 years, I've done that. I've stood against our, our governors. I, I stood against Cam Thorne. I stood against Rish when he called a special session and destabilized funding for schools. I stood against Otter. Um, so I've done that in my past because I stand for the principle, and I just feel like uh, that's what's worth standing I'm, up for. I'm and having a hard for. time, Janice, um, because you you say some things that I kind of like, but then I also know you voted for Trump. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> that out a little bit. <laughs> Curveball. Yeah. They're not mutually exclusive. Uh, what I, what, how I voted, uh, stood up against Cam Thorne was during the longest legislative session in history, right after a long, deep recession, and, and the push was to raise taxes on Idahoans. And I continued to vote no on that, and I voted against Rishes. I voted against uh, special interest crony legislation um, on the edu- Idaho Education Network, which took $40 million of our dollars, um, stripped out a legal valid contract and replaced it with a, a crony contract, which was went, took all the way up to the Supreme Court and ruled corrupt. I voted from the very beginning against that under heavy pressure under the Otter administration and Ayaki. Yeah. Um, so on, on, on Facebook, okay. they're asking for okay. you to, to answer also the question that I asked Yates. Okay. Would you be willing to um, criminalize uh, or have the mother face the death penalty or be criminalized uh, if she committed an abortion? All things being equal. All things case being law, equal, case laws. And, and all that stuff. They also want to hear from you too as well. Yes, there should be no abortion and anyone that has an abortion should pay. Yeah, so death penalty. Or uh, based on the law. Based on the, based on the, the case, case law. law. Based on the case law. Yeah. N- no, I wouldn't. No, I, I can't support a woman 
facing the death penalty. I just can't do that. In any case? If, if she... If my wife killed me, you said, don't worry, honey, it was well, okay. no, no. <laughs> no. He deserved it. You're old enough There's to wear... There's exceptions to every rule. In, in no. that case, maybe it'd be all right. Or <laughs> no, but no, we're talking specifically about a woman having an abortion. I cannot... I, no, I can't support a woman facing a death penalty for that. In any case, so she, she kills her own child. And so, ha, well, hey, how okay. old? Let me so ask this question. Why, no, no, no. How, how old? So, so so why, what age? At what age is it okay for her um, to, to kill her child? So let's say. It's, it's never it's, okay. Oh, so so three, uh, four, okay. five, now it's like, okay, now you get the death penalty. Perfect He's six question. years old. There's mothers that are out there that have killed their baby or five babies, and have they been, are they on, have they been killed? No, they keep, they keep getting into the, the system forever, and the taxpayer has to pay for it. Or they let go, get let go. So if so, again. right? But that's not that's not the question we're asking because we we recognize that we are in the situation we're in, and it's you know it's messed up. And I would agree with you that the prison system is is a is a mess and so forth. But what we're asking for is the principle that you stand on, because you said that you live by principles, and so that's that's the question that we're asking is. Um, Principally, we know it's another matter of what can actually be applied. And again, due process should be taken into Absolutely. account. Case law should be taken into That's account. That's what justice is. But but <laughs> the question has to do with is if abortion is murder, does it does it get um, prosecuted as well, murder? Well, I believe I'm a Christ, as a Christian. I believe in the restorative love of God. And so, when a woman makes a decision like that in her life, and thank God, I've never done that. I've had two pregnancies, two healthy children. I've never been one of those women that had to make that decision. But for those that have, that's what I believe in is the restorative faith of our, of our God. And what we should do to be, prevent that is so many of the things that lo- many of us have fought for to provide good information to women so that they don't ever have to get... And Janice, just to be clear, I want you to know, too, that as, as a Christian, we believe in the grace of God um, for those who have murdered their babies. Um, so this is not an either-or thing. This is, this is not as though you, you're beyond the grace of God. There's no sin so bad that you're beyond the grace of God. Um, but there is still, uh, there, justice is still a real thing, and it's part of what holds a society together. And that's what we're getting after. So I, I do want to be clear about that. As you hear us pushing for this, that we're not saying that there's no forgiveness for that sin or there's no grace for that sin. Um, Jesus died for all the sins. Amen. And he can put every bit of brokenness back together. And at the same time, um, you can still face the consequences of your actions um, that, that justice um, here on earth that, that yeah. deserves on, on earth. But that doesn't mean that you're beyond the mercy and grace of God. And, I, you know, I'm a pastor and I spend my time, um, you know, ministering this kind of grace to all kinds of broken people. So I'm fully on board there. But what we are wanting to press is just, again, you're, you're running for a public office that's concerned with doing justice. And, and that's, so that's why we're pushing that. I just want to well, be I didn't mean, that. I did not mean to imply anything there. I was just stating yeah. my belief and that I'm just trying to answer the, on, the question as honestly as I could. No, I appreciate yeah. that, Janice. Thank you. Yeah. Do we have any questions? Y'all are so quiet out there. That's it. There was just they wanted to know what the score is. Um, uh, Villanova won seventy-nine to sixty-two. Oh, there you go. There you go. Okay. Won a very good game. (laughs) I'm glad. I'm glad I'm here with you guys. That's why everybody's sad. (laughs) Um, I'm just disappointed. That last one kind of hurt. It's okay though. I just, I just, well, I just don't think we treat any form of murder, other murder, like that. 
And so, I mean... I, Here's one of the ways to think about it, too, is, and, and maybe just, just something to think about, Janice, is that one of the reasons why I, I, mean, I think so historically... Um, the, the, where we get the death penalty from is the Bible. That's right. The, the Bible says that, um, that because life, it, you know, God is the one uh, who gives life, um, uh, all human life is made in the image of God. And so to, to strike at the image of God is to strike at our maker. Yeah. And so one of the things it, 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 it does when we insist that, and again, I wouldn't say that every last um, taking of, of life it, it deserves the death penalty. There's first-degree murder and Absolutely. manslaughter Absolutely. and all these things. Yeah. And the Bible makes room for all those things. And so that's why we've said you know, due process and case law and all that. But nevertheless, having that in place, that, that murder, all things being equal, does deserve the, the, the death penalty, is a way of valuing life. We're actually stating mm. objectively it's worth this much. That's right. It's worth this much That's life. Right. And it's, it's, it's not really an accident that in the, in the culture where we've you know, slowly but surely stopped um, actually implementing the death penalty. It's so rare. And, and then when it is, it's you know, after years and years and years and years. And, of course, I do think there should be due process. There should be room for appeal and so forth. Nevertheless, all things being equal, when you get away from that, um, that connection, that if you take someone's life, then ordinarily you should expect your life to be taken. Um, that's a way of fundamentally valuing life. We're saying it's worth this much, and are you willing to pay that? Um, that's, that's what it's going to cost. Yeah. But when we get away from that, we're saying um, it's not worth that much. It's worth you know, 25 years. Your circumstances are more important it, than it, life. It may be. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll give you cable TV and a little box cell for 25 years and pay, your, you know, pay for your meals. Yeah. And, and you know, that, we're fundamentally devaluing life when we do that. Agreed. We'll put them in slavery Agreed. instead. If we don't have any more questions, I think. Um, hey, we're, we're there. Yeah, let's. Is there any special thanks? We had a bunch of people helping us set yes. up. Yeah, we had a bunch of people help set up. Um, our uh, One of our contractor friends gave us their 200-year-old wood to build this table. Um, Austin, Austin Family Anderson, Anderson Construction. Yeah. Austin Anderson, the Anderson Family Construction. Yeah. Had a bunch of guys help us set up and everything. So Big shout out to them. Um, yeah. yeah, thank you guys for coming. Yeah, appreciate, and, uh, appreciate Let's your give our time. candidates a hand for, for coming Stay too. Around. Give these guys a round of applause. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors, yourself. And until we get another chance to do a live event, go fight, laugh, and feast. Thank you guys for coming. Have a great night. Amen. Thank you.